everybody. Welcome to episode 214 of the Go Gorilla Filmcast, your source for all things indie film. I am one of your hosts, Sashia Jumont. I'm another host, Paul Robinson. Um, a very itchy host today. <laughs> Poison Ivy all over you. All week, actually, uh, which is really effing annoying. Um, so, we have a guest! We do have a guest. I'm very excited, actually, because uh, we did review this. Yes. Usually, if we uh, have a guest on... If we know we're going to have a guest on, we will obviously wait to review the film or won't do it because we will talk about it. But yeah. in this case, we actually reviewed the film first, not knowing they were coming on. Yeah. Uh, so they so we had put our genuine thoughts out into the ether. Yeah. Uh, not that we would ever lie. But um, uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. Introduce yourself. I don't think I said anything bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is your name? Yeah, my name is John Casby and I'm the director of The Deep End. The deep end. The we deep end. we went into the deep end. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, for those of you who remember the episode, uh, Paul is not really one for docu series much. That, well, that's not true. It is I, true. I do love docu series, but I when don't, tricked into them, yeah, I don't. I don't <laughs> jump into them with them. But it, it's. I always say they're just like exercise, right? You never want to go into it, but then you always feel better afterwards. <laughs> that, that is so good that's such a good way of putting it yeah um, well, it's I, I don't blame you I think doc especially I mean lately not so much but in the past documentary has had kind of a reputation for being a little bit on the boring side so I I, I get it I'm the opposite I don't want to exercise but I'll go head first into a docu-series or sure. documentary any day um, I had actually almost watched this uh, in its entirety before he saw it and because yeah. I was like I don't know if he's gonna want to watch this I'm not sure I was like hooked and then in the end I was like absolutely not he has to watch this because I wanted to see if he had a different opinion than I did it, it's one of those those uh, it's very subjective right and so it's like you've got somebody who say like you know what actually I can see this side of it and I was like I wonder where he's gonna go with it so it was like when we watched Making a Murderer, I had already seen it. And then season two came out. So I was like, you got to catch up on season one. So I watched that whole thing watching him because I knew mm -hmm. what was going to happen. And I'm like, is he going to have the reaction that I had? <laughs> um, and uh, so that was how I watched this with you. Yeah. And so I was kind of trying to see what your genuine response was. It's uh, it was It was tricky to review because I was like, he could have befriended this woman, right? And then he's like, so you're just going to talk shit about this person the whole time. Uh, but it's a, it's a very controversial topic. Yeah. And uh, what was your experience like making that? Because it's the most beautifully filmed. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Documentary or docu-series that we've ever, I mean, just the cinematography, we were like, what is this? Like, we've never seen so much thought because... I think it's common for them to sort of hang on the topic, which you totally could have, right? You could have just been like, the topic is enough. We don't have to go crazy with the cinematography, which a lot of documentaries do. But you had everything. Well, it was a really, I mean, it was a very long process in figuring out what we wanted to make and also getting in touch with our motivations as to why we wanted to make it in that way. I think at the beginning of this, um, you know, we started out really, there were kind of two things that kind of drew us into this world. I think the first one was Teal's character. Um, she was someone uh, that felt unique um, in every way. You know, she was intriguing. She was charismatic. She was dynamic. She was extremely complicated. There were all of these opposing perspectives about her out in the world. You had followers saying things like she's the most incredible human to ever live and she saved my life. And then you have a group of critics who are saying her practices are really dangerous and the things that she's doing and saying are causing people to commit suicide. So at the beginning, you know, just as a character, these these are the types of people that like I live to meet. Like these are the type of people mm -hmm. that like keep me awake at night. These are the types of people that kind of challenge my preconceived notions. And I, you know, I think there's honor and privilege as a filmmaker being able to kind of go into worlds that aren't your own and going and, and learning and having experiences that are totally different. So, you know, at the beginning, that that was one thing that really pulled us into this story. I think the other thing um, was this kind of big picture dichotomy and trying to understand how what she's putting out is, is drawing in these totally opposing reactions. And for us, we wanted to try to understand that. We wanted to try to understand her. We'd want to try to understand why the critics felt the way they did about her and why the followers felt the, the way that they did about her. Um, 
And then, you know, we, we kind of went through a process of looking at everything that had been made about her um, and sort of just educating ourselves on, you know, like what the BBC had done and what the Gizmodo podcast had done, um, as well as looking at other shows about groups like this um, and realizing early on, we wanted to try to do something that could kind of, that could, that could really add to the conversation. Um, and one thing I, I noticed is that oftentimes um, with, with series like this, like I, I hadn't seen anything where where you're actually thrown into the vortex, where you're, you're front and center in the middle of it, going through it mm -hmm. as the people are for themselves and being really put in their shoes. And this felt like an opportunity to really do that. The more we, the more you know, time and conversations we had with Teal, the more it became clear that this was a real opportunity to show something that was present tense, unfolding, um, verite that brings audiences into uh, into the center of this group. Yeah. It was such a the 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 pacing of the of the documentary was so was done so well yeah. you know things are unfolding and it felt very natural um i can imagine like the process of sculpting that out of all the footage um was you know anytime i watch a documentary i'm just blown away by how they're able to take hundreds and thousands of hours of footage and and cohesively tell a story that is you know whether if it's a series which is a little bit longer or or a film which is shorter but tell tell a story that most people are accustomed to right where you have your three act structure or or whatever not that you have to stick to that obviously but um something that's digestible for everybody not just other filmmakers that get what you're doing you know and so um i applaud you on that because it was just so so well done so what was that process like trying to kind of carve out the the story you wanted to tell and I mean, God, it's a huge question because there's so many things because, well, we'll just answer that because I have, I have follow-ups. <laughs> Let me ask you a question and then I'll start answering it myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we shot thousands of hours of footage over the course of three years. Um, I think it was a total of about five months of shooting over that time. Okay. Um, we had six editors on this project. Um, wow. What I love about the editing process is that it's very different than the shooting process. You know, in production where... We're spending a lot of time filming. We're spending a lot of time with the people we're filming, not filming, just just mm -hmm. learning right. who they are, understanding their motivations, and all of that informs the choices we then make with the camera. Um, and then what's really interesting, what's really yeah, kind of grounding, honestly, is that when you're in when you're in production and you're doing verite and you're doing it present tense, you kind of get lost in that world. And I think that's part of it. That's partly by design. Um, is that you're really trying to step into the perspectives of the people that you're filming. And in this case, it was Teal's perspective. It was a lot of the people in her inner circle that was followers. But then it was also people on the outside, critics, and people like Molly, the private investigator. Um, and then once we start moving into the editing process, what I love about this part is that you're bringing in, um, you know, people who you, you have to trust, um, who have perspective, um, who haven't gone through the blood, sweat, and tears that you went through to kind of gather all of those moments and all of that footage and who don't have those, you know, those relationships that kind of naturally form when you're embedding with a community. Um, they didn't have that. So they were actually able to look at the footage in a way that was was removed in a way. Um, and in a lot of ways kind of acts as this translator between um, between us and the audience mm -hmm. and, and kind of get at what you're, what you're talking about, where you, you, you make it accessible, you make it digestible for someone who, you know, has never heard of Teal Swan, who doesn't care about spirituality, who has no interest in this world. And that, that was our goal here. Like we didn't want to be preaching to the choir here. We didn't want to be making something that just the followers and just the critics would, would enjoy. We wanted to make something that people who, you know, never thought they'd be interested in this could kind of get lost in. Yeah. I mean, that's always the, the, the trick, right. You know, with a lot of this stuff is, you want to you don't want to have a point of view right you want to leave the viewer to have that point of view and um and it's tough when you're living with these people on and off for 3 years and you do develop relationships and and it's hard to to not ingest that bias even subconsciously into whatever you're doing um so I yeah what i think... really liked about it too is that like it wasn't you know a lot of the times these types of uh, documentaries are like an interviewing process and, um, you know, I, I think of tricky journalism, you know, where there's leading questions and there's a way of asking a question that can sort of trick somebody into answering another way. And then you're you're now you're now manipulating a situation. But mm -hmm. um, like the real world or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, you know, the things that occurred, I felt like as the viewer, I felt like you kind of sat back and let that happen because that was 
the energy that they had. This is what was going on. And I feel like um, her personality is so strong that you didn't need to push her to seem aggressive. That is she's very self-confident in that way, but then also not. We can get into that later. <laughs> Going through the psychology of it, the overcompensation is just, you know, so you can see that. But in at face value, you didn't need to make her seem like a villain um, when she would have these moments. It's like this; it was unfolding. I mean, I, I know that I, I we had done like a short film that I, I wrote a, that was about cults. And I've always been fascinated by how otherwise intelligent people, successful people can get caught up in one person and suddenly their entire life changes for this one person. But I didn't I didn't go in like condemning what she did initially. I wasn't like, oh, she's running a cult because I'm like, well, how is this different from religion? Right? I mean, she that's what she's doing and that's what people want to follow and believe. Like, I don't think it's weirder because she has crystals with her or whatever because, you know, it it all of that again is is subjective, but um, how do you, like the scene and uh, with the the I'm sorry I've forgotten everybody's names at this point, but the the one girl who was sort of combative uh, against her process, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there was sort of like this uh, baptism type uh, you know uh, process. I was terrified was the, watching the guy's that. Girlfriend, that one? No, no, this was the younger girl who oh, was just uh, kind of like yes, yeah. okay, yeah. yes, thank Sabrina. you, yeah. and. Uh, like how what is it like to watch that process because i would have been panicking like all right let's pull her out of the water now that's enough <laughs> like how do you um how do you not invest that part of yourself because you you're still a filmmaker right you're still trying to get this scene yeah. um yeah but at what point there, are you like all right maybe that's enough there were a lot of moments um during production and filming where we would have an urge to step in Okay. Um, another another one is uh, there's a scene I think it was the beginning of episode three where um, where you're seeing a, a family display happen where um, everyone is kind of taking on yes. Um, yes. Uh, yes. a different family member and there's mm -hmm. kind of this realization that comes out of it and you see someone kind of wrestling with that realization and you know there there are a lot of things like this throughout um, and it, it, I also want to be clear that's not the only types of things we saw like we also saw you know emotional processes play out where it felt like people were really healed mm -hmm. and helped and mm -hmm. they would say things like you know I just that was like 10 years of therapy compressed into one hour my whole life has changed so you know the the it was a roller coaster it was mm -hmm. like an emotional roller coaster of is this helping or hurting and where is that line and I think for us um, and this is part of being a documentary filmmaker you you really have to remember what your role is um, and, and why you're there. And, it, you know, it's interesting in some ways, and I, you know, I, I did a film in the past as well about elephant poaching in Kenya. And this question would come up a lot because um, I'd be going on hunts with poachers and actually oh, seeing them kind God. of do their process. And one of the most common questions I was like, how did you not interfere? Um, and and what I'd always say is it's it's interesting because, you know, and it's the same on this on the deep end. Like when I would go on those hunts with those poachers, I did that without a camera first. Hmm. And that was how I got the permission and, and the access to be able to film it later. Right. Um, and I found it significantly harder to do to go on a, a journey like that without a camera. And it yeah. was the same in the deep end. Like when we saw some of these dynamics were a little bit more unsettling, when we saw things that were um, that were hard to witness, um, it was much more difficult when we were just there by stand, like not mm -hmm. filming and 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 kind of getting to know everyone. But once you're filming it, you, it, it kind of creates this level, this layer of removal because mm -hmm. um, you have a purpose, you know, in our, in our minds when we're filming those scenes that are, that are harder to watch in the show, um, you know, we're doing it so that people can see it so that it can hopefully um, can teach people things right. or, or what, one of my favorite things that has happened since the show has come out is that there's been so many people who have reached out saying things like, I have a teal in my life or I have a Blake in my life. And mm. seeing these dynamics play out in your show taught me so much about things within my my own life that I didn't even realize were happening. Um, and it's interesting. One of, uh, sorry, I'm kind of going on a tangent. No, no, go ahead. Let's keep going <laughs> until, until your eyes start slowly shutting. Let's keep going. Um, I, I was doing therapy. I was doing therapy. Um, I've done a lot of therapy over the last five years. And there was one kind of breakthrough session where I was struggling with something personally. And I was talking to my therapist about it. And what I was doing at the time is I kept kind of justifying what was happening to me. Um, I kept kind of normalizing it. And he said, I want, I want to do an exercise with you. He's like, I want to take this situation you're in. I want you to apply it to two other people that you care about a lot. 
So I picked two people that I, you know, were younger than me that I really cared about. And I applied it to them. And he said, okay, so now that you're thinking about them in the situation, like, how do you feel? What do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I want to go in and I want to protect them. And I want to get them out of that situation. And it just like the light bulb went off and it got really clear for me, like, oh, what I'm going through is not okay. And I need to like set up boundaries for myself. I need to change what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, that was a really, that was a really big moment and kind of like my own journey with therapy. And so one thing that's been really encouraging and inspiring with the show is hearing people kind of have that experience through the show Mm -hmm. where they're seeing dynamics that they've experienced, but haven't necessarily seen as problematic or seen as things they want to change until they're seeing in other people's lives. Um, So uh, to bring it full circle, like I, I think, I think in those moments where we're filming things that maybe we don't necessarily agree with or that are harder for us to watch with or that we would want to kind of step in and protect or change in some way. um, Remembering that, you know, this would be happening whether we're there or not. And hopefully through us documenting it and saving it, it can have a big impact on a lot of people who are in these situations because, you know, this is, this is the story of, of Teal and her inner circle and this community. But I think the takeaway and the bigger picture themes go way beyond um, just what they're doing, oh, you know, I sure, think, yeah. and, and, and like you said, at the beginning of this, this conversation, um, you know, you watched it first and then, you know, you were curious to see what your colleagues reactions mm-hmm. were going to be. And I think, you know, one thing we said to our, to each other and to the editors during the, during the process of editing is that, you know, when we show this in a theater, you know, with a hundred people, like it's okay if there's a split, it's okay if everyone's coming out with a different reaction. I think that's actually good. I think that means we're allowing the audience to do the work and decide for themselves Mm -hmm. how they feel about what they're seeing rather than um, having a perspective or an opinion or an agenda kind of pushed down their throat. Um, And so I I think it's been different for everyone um, in terms of the takeaway. I think one one of the big ones for me has just been this idea that if you are putting someone else in the position of determining what's right or wrong for you, you are you are putting yourself at risk, whether that risk is realized or not. Mm-hmm. Right, um, and that's something that I've experienced, and I think other people are experiencing. Not just in communities like this. I think that's something that's taking place in the workplace. I think that's something that happens within families. I think that's something, like you said earlier, that happens in a lot of religions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think oftentimes those dynamics are easier to see and to understand when it's happening to other people. I think it's always harder to see in ourselves. For sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I had a friend once um, say, you know, who was in a in a relationship that I was like, this is not a good situation for you. And um, they continue they would continue to make excuses for this person. And I finally just said, let me ask you this. If this was the relationship that your child was in, would you like this person? And they said, absolutely not. (laughs) And I was like, yeah, this wouldn't be good enough for one of your kids. And I know that you would be concerned because, you know, alarming things are happening, but you're finding ways to justify it when it's you. Um, I I wondered also, I think, you know, there, there is that the inherent good and bad in everyone, right? And we've all had that friend, or at least I have had several friends where you have to say to people, you got to get to know them. They come across as a real asshole, (laughs) but there's a good person under there. And there is also the argument of like, I shouldn't have to work to find the good side of you. That's also valid. Um, But I could see that, you know, I could see perhaps Teal not being Teal that we see on screen all the time or when the cameras are off. And so there's the temptation to be like, you know what? I see another side that the audience is not going to get to see. Um, And so someone would say, well, how could you befriend this person or still speak to this person or whatever? And it's like, there is a whole other side. It doesn't justify perhaps things that they're doing, but you do see another side of them. And uh, I, I, I wonder like how much that changes a person when they know that a camera's following them around now. Mm. Um, if you give somebody who has who is perhaps has an egotistical personality a camera crew, that's going to go tenfold now. So you're going to see, you know, we there's a lot of people, good people that kind of have narcissistic tendencies or ego, you know what I mean. But now that's just going to balloon. Um, so balancing that, you know, because you still just kind of have to step back and be like, I, I would wonder if the temptation is to just be like, don't do that. <laughs> you see them about yeah, to yeah. do something and you're like that's going to look so bad for you but the filmmaker's like no no go ahead and do what you were going to do because that's what i'm supposed to do here but you know there's a side of you yeah. that's like oh god why did you say that <laughs> well i think you know i've had more of that experience on shorter projects where there's less time mm-hmm. like i think what was really special about this project is that there was so much to, like we were really 
really committed to giving it the time it needed. And again, it goes back to being around. Like I, I, I'm so like whenever I talk to people about filming and and they're looking for advice, I always say, you know, the first month of shooting, you're probably not going to get a whole lot that's real. Um, yeah. because of what you're talking about, because of that posturing, because of that, like learning how to be around a camera. And sometimes people don't know how they're going to be around when the camera's on them. Um, and sometimes they're surprised in, in the ways in which they feel and the ways in which they act. So, you know, I, I try to spend as much time as possible around people without a camera first so that I can get a sense of like, how does this person move through the world? What do they think? How do they interact with these people? What are the dynamics so that I then have a clear gut, like kind of compass as to like, this is what feels true and this is what is authentic to this person and and this is when they're kind of putting it on and performing a little bit i think when you have a public figure or someone with any type of celebrity when they're going on stage and they're in front of people it's a bit different um, because you know they have many parts of themselves they have the person who they are when they're at the retreats they have the person they are when they're on stage and they have the person they are behind the scenes um when when no one's looking so for us you know we spent a lot of time without a camera first and then we also you know did a lot of shooting that didn't make it in because it was like this doesn't feel hmm. this doesn't feel right and and i think the audience can tell i think the audience can feel when something doesn't feel authentic when a person's kind of putting it on i think you feel it hmm. um and that that's part of why we we committed so strongly to having enough shoot days and spending enough time to be able to capture and be present for real moments um that that hopefully resonate and uh and feel true to people yeah it definitely definitely felt authentic that was always a, a thing like there's just as a as a filmmaker, I say this as a filmmaker, not as a you know just a casual viewer, but like there's just some moments in there that just felt like a narrative, kind of you know yeah. had a very narrative aspect to it because of you know the cinematography which we're in love with, and then just the the angles you were able to get. I mean, you kind of had you and you were there for some pretty eventful moments. You know, probably one of the biggest eventful moments that you know could could have happened to them and and. I, I, I'm curious as to how that kind of stuff, like, were you literally there when it happened or does that stuff kind of like, do they contact you and say, you know, maybe you're not there at that moment. You're like, Hey, something's happening. You guys should come down and, uh, and get, get a, get, it was know, a bit this. of both. Yeah. It was a bit of both. You know, we did shoots where there was nothing going on and we would just go over there for two months and just see, you know, what mm -hmm. was happening. It was much more, it was much more that kind of vibe at the beginning. And then, towards the you know halfway through towards the end it was a little bit more of matthias teal's manager and teal herself at times being like hey there's this thing going on here i think you should come over um and uh and yeah and you know it was it was the same kind of with the critics you know they were they her manager matthias was the one that actually encouraged us to to film with critics and connected us with molly the private investigator mm -hmm. um so, you know, access is a, it's a, it's the same as trust. Like, you, like trust is not a thing. One thing that people say a lot is like, how did you get them to trust you? And it's like, you, you don't really get people to trust. It's a, trust is a gift. Like people decide to give that to you um, when they feel like the time is right. And it's not something we ever expect at the beginning of this process. And we kind of, we kind of wait to see if it, if it organically comes up or not. And I think a lot of that is a testament to our, to the process from the get-go, mm -hmm. uh, which I can I can talk about if you're interested in, or if there's other questions, that's fine. No, sure, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, so with this process, um, and it was it's similar. It's interesting because it's actually kind of similar to what we do on every project. Um, we started out by kind of going without a camera um, and just listening and and trying to understand um, their perspective. Um, and it's really it's really straightforward in a way. We sort of sit down and just explain what filmmaking is. Um, and we talk a lot about how we're going to be filming all the time. Um, there'll be cameras around all the time. Uh, but we also set up a very clear, uh, almost like a rule that like anytime you want us to stop filming, you can, mm. and we'll put the cameras down immediately. And that's not just something we, we say that's something that we put into practice quite a bit, mm -hmm. um, which I think is part of kind of that trust building of yeah. like, you know, at any point, if I don't feel comfortable, I can, I can ask people to stop. And I think when you're filming things that are set, like on one, when layups become lions, my first film, it was super crucial to do that. Cause I was, I was with people who were doing things that were illegal um, on the deep end, you know, we're filming people going through really uh, intense emotional processes where all kinds of things are coming up and they don't know what's going to come up next. And so I think having that, having that ability to say, I want, I want the camera off of me at any point is, is crucial. Mm -hmm. um, and then we had long conversations about the editing process and what that involves and how editors come in and they bring, you know, their own perspective and there's going to be, you know, thousands of hours of footage shot and all of that. Um, and then, 
And then I showed them my past work to give them a sense of like, you know, this is kind of like the way in which we see and tell stories. This is sort of the tone that we're looking for. And this is, um, this is the way the cinematography looks and the editing looks. And they were really, once they saw some past films, they were really excited. Um, and, uh, and then, yeah, and then we were kind of off to the races. I mean, they, I think Teal at the beginning, she really appreciated that honesty and that transparency. And it makes sense. You know, when you look at their branding, like authenticity is such at the forefront. You know, one of their 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 uh, sayings, they say a lot is authenticity is not dead. Like they put it on T-shirts and posters mm-hmm. and it's all over the place. And Teal's very big on like, are you being your authentic self? And no, like, you know, I can see that you're not being authentic. Like, give me the truth. Um kind of thing so i think when we came in at the very beginning and we were kind of like look we're laying it all out here and you don't have to do this um and there's actually a lot of reasons not to do this and we had that conversation um and you know it really is a collaboration that really takes both sides kind of agreeing like hey we want to build this thing together and and see what happens um and i think knowing all the risks up front you know i think it i think it it made teal feel safe Mm -hmm. um so that that's kind of what kicked it off and that's you know that led into you know three years of filming and exploring all these ideas um but there was never this feeling of um of you know i I don't want to speak to other filmmakers or journalists but what i will speak to is like teal's experience in the past was this feeling of like people are coming in and they're not being um honest about what they're doing Mm -hmm. um and they're saying one thing and they're doing another thing so i think at the beginning of this process she really appreciated like hey there you know this, this could come out in a way that you like, or it could come out in a way you feel really misunderstood. And mm-hmm. that's up to the audience. Cause at the end of the day, like we're not going to tell the audience what to think. We're going to show what we see mm-hmm. over the coming years. And then audiences have to decide for themselves. And that's kind of the way we tell stories. Right. right. I would imagine though, um, if, and I'm not like, just, just to play devil's advocate, I think having building trust is important, obviously, cause you want to tell that story and everything, but then have giving the, um, the subject, the ability to kind of shut shut down at any given time during any situation can can arguably skew that perspective because now we're not seeing everything. We're seeing what what they're allowing mm. them. And so how do you, I guess this would come into play more toward in the editing process, but how do you kind of navigate the whole, well, you know, this isn't an ad for what you do. We're just telling a story of, a, a certain period of time in this world and so i mean i gotta imagine that's really kind of na- tough to navigate for a lot of people because this is going to make me look bad it's like yeah but you did that so it's you know i don't know how you kind of like have to argue with them no we're keeping that in or please take that out or or whatever do they do they have any what did teal no. have any say in editing or it was just like you're gonna... this was something that we established right i mean in my first conversation with them i said you, you will not have any create this is not a Right. commercial this is not a promotional video you will have no control over the editing process mm-hmm. right um so that's established really clearly and that there oh, was good. no challenging yeah. that they they didn't question that at all they understood um they understood how it works mm-hmm. they're familiar um but no i think i think the question you're raising is a really interesting one around you know if if the people you're filming have the ability to have you stop at any time is what you're making representative mm-hmm. um and in my experience um, and it's been like this on past films as well. Like at the beginning, there's a lot of that. Um, and then towards the midway point in the end, there's almost none right. at all. Um, because as people get more comfortable, as you have been filmed for, you know, many, many hours, you, you start to stop trying to control it. You let go. Yeah. Um, and I've seen this happen to all to, like people that I thought would never, ever, ever mm-hmm. kind of like give in to the process. I've seen this happen to, to people like that. So and this was a situation where I, you know, I don't think Teal came in super resistant to this. She had a lot of questions um, and she really wanted to get to know me. But I think she wanted this to be made. I think she wanted the cameras on her. And I think one thing that really stood out to me early on, because early on, I was really emphasizing the like, we're going to be around a lot. Like, it's going to be annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to wish that we weren't here and we're going to be there and it's going to yeah. be exhausting. And like, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Because like, we don't have to do this. Yeah. Um, and she was like, look, John, I've been through so much abuse in my past that I actually feel safer when there's a camera pointed at me because I know whatever happens, there's going to be proof of it. There's going to be documentation. So I actually feel safest when there's a camera pointed at me. And for me as a filmmaker, I was, I've never heard anyone say anything like that before. I was yeah. like, this is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. And this feels like a real opportunity. And, and we were, and that kind of spiraled into, you know, me telling to like, I'd, I want to, I want to be around for everything. I want to bring audiences in front and center into your inner circle. I want people to feel what it's like to be here. Um, and she was, she was excited. I f- for better what, or worse. Yeah. Well, well, see, that's the thing is like, 
regardless of, of, of somebody's opinion of her, right? What I will say is that she's not a stupid person. So there's no way that when she was being the most controversial on camera, that she didn't know that this was going to have a reaction. She had to know when I say X, Y, and Z, people are going to jump all over that and they're going to see a whole other side. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get chewed out for that from from a lot of people but she did it anyway you know what i mean so i i, I feel if like anything kind of her MO. yeah but but that's what i'm saying is like if anything regardless of how i feel of the you know the practice or how she may have behaved in that moment i give her credit for just being like fuck it i'm gonna do it anyway because this is who i am like it or not this is who i am but um yeah because you know the, i was her her right hand was that blake that had left like yeah um, yeah. The scene when he was leaving in the kitchen. I mean, I wanted to just crazy crawl scene. into a drawer and just hide because I felt so awful for him. And it was like that moment where I was watching her reaction to the things that she was saying. And I was just like, stop, 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 stop. What are you doing? And I felt so badly for him. I mean, I, I'll I'll give her I'll give her the credit that she was being authentic to how she felt right she didn't uh like we normally with that i feel like we would see the person go into another room and we would have the audio because the mic would still be hooked on to them and they would lash out at that person but we'd never actually get to see it on camera and she was like zero shits given she was just like i don't care if the cameras are here or not i'm gonna just completely annihilate you (laughs) verbally and that's what she did um and so I, what was that scene like in the room? Like, what is it? Do you run after Blake and hug him? Because I probably, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, like, well, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I didn't say anything, yeah. but I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, two things in here I want to comment on. The first one, you know, Teal's intelligence. I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I think she's one of the most emotionally intelligent people I've ever met. And I think that's part of why she's able to do what she does and why she's able to hold space in the way that she does and how she's able to connect with so many people. Um, in the way that she does. I think she's incredibly emotionally intelligent. Um, In terms of what she's doing on camera and that being connected to intelligence, like I I actually think what's happening is something else here. I think that she she doesn't see herself as problematic. Right. She doesn't see um, the things she's saying and doing as issues. She stands by all of them and she always has an explanation as to why why she's doing what she's doing. True, um, yeah. So that whole process through Blake leaving and through, you know, the whole group kind of circling around Juliana and saying what they think of her and, and kind of what they think she thinks of Teal and all of that, like, as we were filming all that, Teal didn't have, there was, she never came over to me and was like, hey, I, I know that didn't look good. Like, I need you to delete that footage wow, or hey, okay, like, yeah. don't show. There was never any of that. Like, the conversations after that were usually Teal, you know, helping us understand more of her perspective as to why she felt so justified to say that and why he needed to hear that. And I think when you step back and you look at Teal holistically and you think about her backstory um, and that, you know, she claims to have universal perspective. She claims to be able to see all truth. Um, She claims to be an alien from another planet. Right. Um, So when you, when you, when you take all that into the mix and then you add in the dynamic that she's surrounded by an inner circle who all believe that to be true, Mm. It, it creates something where I, I don't know how that person can do wrong. Mm-hmm. If you understand what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. like, like she, and, and that, so then when we come in as a film crew and we're documenting everything and we're holding space and we're genuine, we're, we're doing, and we're doing a genuine effort to try to understand her perspective. Mm-hmm. Right. We're not, we're not coming in judgmental. We're not coming in trying to tell her what's right or wrong. We're coming in and we're doing this with everyone. Like with Teal, with the inner circle, with the critics, with Molly, the private investigator, we're saying, Help us understand your world. Help us understand what you want, what you need, and why you're, you know, moving through life the way that you are. Um, and so with Teal, it was always, it was always confidence. It was always um, um, very, very set in her perspective. Very, very like really believing what she's doing. And we would, we would swing back and forth. There were times where I was like, you know, what I'm seeing is unsettling. What I'm seeing worries me. But I think she really believes she's doing the right thing. I think right. she really believes she's helping people. And there's other times where. Um, it was less clear and it felt like there was some narcissism coming in. It felt like there was an ego at play there. I felt like there were very human elements. Mm-hmm. Um, and Teal would talk about, you know, we would, we would question her on that. You know, we would say like, you know, what it, a term that they use a lot is like shadow, you know, like what is your yes. shadow? And it's kind of the darker parts of yourself. And we'd talk with Teal about that. And she would say a lot about how her childhood, her childhood trauma was feeling unseen. She felt like no one saw her, or recognized her. 
um, or what was great about her. And so she would talk about how now she's, you know, created a, created a life, created a world where she's very seen. Um, and that when, when followers or critics or people in the inner circle question her or, or she feels like they don't see her um, in all of her greatness, it's really triggering for her. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think you see play out in the show in episode one, especially when Simon pushes back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry, that was a very long. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's it's just answer. so fascinating because um, there are so many as- there are so many avenues you can go down, right? Um, where somebody can say, "Well, I've had trauma, and so this is why I respond to this way." And if that person, as an adult, has narcissistic tendencies children do as well. I mean, in fact, children are complete narcissists, right? Because they don't think of anybody else usually that's about them because they haven't developed that 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 maturity yet in, in having an emotional relationship with somebody else. Um, so there is that question of like, was she already a narcissistic child who's now mm. grown into this adult? And so any type of trauma or adversity is going to, you know, because there's lots of there's lots of people that have experienced terrible things and they all grow up to be different people and they take that in different places. Right. So there's no like cookie cutter way of responding to trauma. Yeah. Yeah. So there were times that I felt like for her, it was very much do the ends justify the means. And she was like, yes, (laughs) always, you know, that the ends for me will always just, you know, and, and so that was that the, the scene, is it Juliana? Um, Blake's girlfriend, yeah. uh, wife rather, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, the scene where where um, Teal confronts her in front of everybody else, that that, that and Blake watch. leaving, that was such a tough scene. I felt so badly for her because you could see the complete. I mean, I always watch people's jaw as soon as I see their jaw pulsing. I'm like they're cl- they're clenching their teeth because I do that when I'm uncomfortable. So I'm like that per- <laughs> right now she wants to jump right out of her skin, and you can see that on her face, but. Stepping away from it, it was so fascinating to watch the group dynamic um, of like it in that moment. I have to say like that was probably uh, the least attractive moment for me with Teal. Of all the things, that was probably the hardest for me because with Blake, it's like this person's been with her forever, right? And she obviously has this connection. Nobody that he dates or marries will ever be good enough because she wants to be the only person in his life or the most important person in his life. So anybody who's in there is going to be a problem regardless. So that kind of insecurity, I was like, it was mean, but I can see why she lashed out that way with her personality. But in that moment, it was like, it was so hard to watch her pull other people in. Look how I can get this person to turn on you. I'm going to get this person to turn you on. One of the people she, it was like a couple that she was asking. And I felt like you could see on their face, they're like, this is bullshit and I don't want to say this, but I have to say it. And uh, I was like, I don't know. I mean, that would have probably, if I was like in the crew, that would have, hopefully I wouldn't have been in an important position. I would be like, I have to leave the room for a second and scream somewhere <laughs> because <laughs> would be the worst documentary. Yeah, because I mean, it, it's probably why I can sort of, uh, I was giving Teal a shot because I am a confrontational person. So in that moment, there's no way I wouldn't have been able to be like, you know what? <laughs> so, and lost my job. So um, that I, I give you guys credit because that felt like such a vulnerable moment, not just for Juliana, but for everybody who then got pulled into it that were like, what did we do? You know, like, uh, why are we here having to now take sides in this and tear somebody else down? You know, so that was that was a rough scene. It's tough, you know, and it's, it's and you know i wish the show could have been 10 episodes because there's so me much. too you know, so <laughs> can you do mu- a season so two season there's two so- <laughs> <laughs> who do we there's write like so, there's so so much um but you know in that moment you're, you're seeing you're seeing the inner circle kind of share uh, align with teal right yeah. you're seeing them all align with teal and it's one of the things saying yeah it's another thing when you understand the dynamics underneath them and know that they're real friendships Mm-hmm. underneath those between Juliana and some of those people like yeah. real friendships that that you, they're picking between there comes mm-hmm. a point where you're choosing between you know loyalty to teal and that friendship and it's so it's it's been painful and it's also been painful with the release of the show because Juliana and Blake I don't want to speak too much for them you know I'll let them right. share their own stories but I, there's a lot of people in the show who are no longer part of teal's world that left and um 
and you know it's very much so out there it's very much so a public thing and seeing the way that some of those relationships have have disintegrated because of it um because of this feeling because of really this us versus them thinking mm-hmm. um that i that you know we felt a lot in in this community um it's painful yeah. it's painful yeah. and and we filmed a lot of conversations too when when blake was still a part of it he was kind of raising that question you know there are a lot of uh he would bring this up a lot. He was like, you know, Teal, there's people I want to be friends with that I'm, I'm not able to be friends with anymore because they don't agree with you or because they're not a part of this or because they're this, that, or the other. And he, he was, he was struggling with that. He's, yeah. he's a very social friendly guy. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you know, from Teal's perspective, you know, I think it's important to mention that as well. She was like, we're on a mission and what we're doing is the most important thing in the world. There's not room for that. Like mm-hmm. we can't, right. We can't get to where we're going if you're just having casual friendships with people who don't understand how important this is. Right. Um, and the thing about I, her I, I is she. Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. I was saying the thing about her is she 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 walks that walk. You mm-hmm. know, she's not just telling people you can't do this. What well, she herself doesn't do it, and so that adds that legitimacy to her own kind of um, journey. You know. Absolutely. Whether you agree Absolutely. or not, it just you know she does walk yeah. that walk. I, but I just she also does wanted have to children. Mention- that's true. That's true. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> she did get the she did get that opportunity. So uh, yeah, there's a few there's a few things <laughs> in there like that if you look closely. Um, but I was gonna say you, you just mentioned the moment that sounded like the the last moment for you with Teal is when they all got in a circle and were saying those things about Juliana where you were having a hard time kind of empathizing with her. And you know, for us, it was really really important that after that happened that we include the scene where she's sitting at the kitchen table and talking about the pain she's feeling in losing Blake Mm -hmm. and how every therapist told her to trust him Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that he was the one that taught her how to trust and that she's in pain. Um, Because I think it's really easy to 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 turn Teal into a villain and to only see that part of her. And I'm not trying to defend her right now. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to justify anything that she has done or does, but I am trying to say that it's much more complicated. Um, and that, that's why that scene was so important for us as storytellers to, to include that, to show that. Because in that moment, we were feeling for her too. You know, we were feeling for Blake and Juliana as they were going through their, their process of leaving. But we were also feeling for Teal in that moment because it was like, yeah, this person has been with you for 20 years. You see him as family. Um, and, uh, and, you know, you just lost someone. Yeah. Um, so, I don't, you know, I, whether that resonates for other people or not is a, is a question, but I hope it does. I hope it does because it's, I think, I think with stories like this, especially in the way that stories are being told um, much simpler these days and in ways that are much easier to understand, some of these nuances are getting lost in the mix Yeah, um, because it doesn't align with kind of the preconceived notions. It doesn't align with kind of the the arc that people are going on. So for us, you know, it was really important. That was a really crucial scene um, towards the end of the story just to remind people like, Hey, you know, this person who we've seen go through this journey, they're still human. Right. Um, and, and, you know, I think we wanted to encourage audiences to try to understand how she became the way she became um, rather than just judging everything that you're seeing on the surface level. Yeah. I mean, it's so, like you said, it's so easy to, I mean, the, the power, the editing is a very powerful tool and it's so easy to like, just take all of her quote unquote bad moments and string them out together and be like, look how evil she is. But then it's like, there's like, there's what makes it so good in my opinion is that conflict right watching someone just be a jerk is like boring you know it's great for ratings i suppose but it's ultimately as uh, when you when you're trying to make a real piece of art it's it's very boring and so having that dichotomy of well there's these things she's doing that i don't necessarily agree with but at the other end i can understand because i've been in that position too where i with with had a relationship with somebody and then it dissipated and I felt horrible. So now you're relating to this person that you then hated. And so all of that kind of journey is kind of what really gives it kind of a well-rounded feeling versus just like a hit piece on them or just a commercial for them or something. And I think like you guys to just, just walk that line so well. Not that I, I appreciate ever, it. ever ever felt sorry for her, but I did. I did <laughs> well, have, no, but there know, was an empathetic nature to to her character that was. I think absolutely present. It's really interesting because I think that it's very easy to watch this, right? It's this very like one dimensional way of watching it and being like she's doing terrible things and then just end it like that, right? But I, when when that series was over, I actually left with a different. You know, people were like praising what a powerful person she is and how I saw it the opposite. I saw a lot of weakness, but a very um, powerful personality. 
So she's able to convince people. She's very good at convincing people, uh, but she's not so good at convincing herself. That's how I left with it. And I felt like that that all of the all of those episodes was just like watching different sides of her insecurity. Mm. Whereas I think a lot of people see it the opposite. Oh, she's, you know, she's all knowing. She thinks she's from another planet, right? And so, but I found that so interesting that it's like for somebody who is so above us in that way, you fell victim to your emotions when Blake left, right? And somebody who would be all knowing would be beyond that, right? So I, you know, it's- a Jedi. (laughs) Sort of, (laughs) a religious Jedi, Yeah. yeah. And so I thought it's so interesting that she's falling apart because she would tell someone else not to do this. Right. And she's doing it because she's human. And not from another planet, obviously. But, you know, it, it, there well, is that. So, well, we don't know, I guess, right? Yeah. But I, I found that that's the, the most controversial thing I think that people were focusing on was the suicide thing. It was yeah. the one thing that I was kind of like, I don't feel like that's what she's saying. Like, I felt like that was getting twisted a lot, especially when she qu- would confront people. One thing I really liked that she had said, well, actually, with that is when somebody says, I'm, I feel like there's nothing left for me here. Like, I'm done. And she's like, then why are you asking? That's a really, really smart way of putting it. If you were done, you wouldn't be asking if you were done. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people will fly with that. Oh, she's saying that they should kill themselves. And it's like, no, no. She's no. Not, yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. Sit, let's just sit back for a second. It's and an that, observation. That's kind of like the crux of, of her personality, like in a, in a well, moment. Well, so right? many it's people like, focus on that, yeah. that she's like forcing people to kill themselves. But if you really think about what she's saying, she's not. She's actually she's saying not, the opposite. Yeah. But, but then there is also that, you know... It's interesting that people jumped on her for that because I actually had uh, my former therapist who retired and I missed terribly because he was Mm -hmm. wonderful. But he was actually the person that said, you cannot control what another person does. If somebody else is intent on killing themselves, they are going to do that. And nothing you say or do can stop that. Uh, So that once people started jumping on that thing, I was like, I don't really believe that her questioning somebody on their the purpose of their existence is exactly is the same as her saying, you know what, go out there and do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this this the the criticism around the suicide is probably the most significant one, Mm -hmm. I think, that Teal has received. And it's it's with most of the things done in the past. That is the angle that most journalists have taken. Um, when when telling her story, it feels like that's the the thing that they're they're aiming at. And for us, you know, it was really fascinating and I think grounding to see Molly go through her. Pro- you know, Molly was hired by Teal and her team to determine whether they're a cult or not, and whether uh, her work and what she's putting out there is the cause of suicide of some mm-hmm. people. She was great. Um, I loved her personality. <laughs> yeah, Molly's a special one. Yeah, and you know, Molly didn't find that to be true. And in our and what we saw, we didn't find evidence to support that idea either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why that's why that's something that you know comes up in the show because you know Teal would talk about it a lot. Um, and it's not to say you know people would come to her retreats who were in really dark places who were you know who said that they were suicidal. Mm-hmm. And you see that you see that happen with Sabrina. Um, right. who mm-hmm. comes and says that she doesn't want to be there and you kind of see the way that Teal deals with that. Um, but yeah, I, it, Molly was really, Molly was really great. And, and this helpful, uh, this helpful person to kind of ground us and, and take us through some of those ideas. Cause one, one thing that we were wrestling with is it, it's so much of what we're seeing in Teal's world was is something very kind of floaty about it. I don't have a better word. It was very floaty. And then mm-hmm. when Molly came in, she was like, I don't want to talk about feelings. Right. I don't want to talk about emotions. <laughs> yes. I want hard, provable yeah. data. And yes. I was like, this is so refreshing. Yes. <laughs> like, this is what I've been, been craving. And I didn't even realize it. Um, so I'm, I'm really, you know, thankful that their team kind of connected us with Molly and, and opened up that door. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's very much kind of like, um, uh, I don't want to say a voice of reason because it could vary depending on kind of what side you fall on, I suppose. But she was, like you said, kind of like an antithesis of the 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 tone of what was happening, you know, uh, in that way. And and I th- I thought that that was very important kind of thing to break down because if you're wrestling with it, it kind of helps you balance to see where you're at. If you're like, are they a cult? Are they not a cult? And then she comes in with this, and she has her determination, but. Whether or not you agree with her, she does bring a, a an outside perspective to it all, um, and I think that's important. But I also wanted to say, like about the narcissism thing, like I feel like 
if you agree to be the subject of a documentary, I think you, there has to be an inherent narcissism to that. I mean, we're all narcissists in some in way, some right? Way, yeah. You know, it's like, I think it's actually healthy to to care about yourself. You can't really care about other people unless you really care about yourself sort of thing. So I think that's healthy. And so I think um, in that regards, most documentaries that, you know, that, that tend to focus on a person or a group of people or whatever, a lot of that that narcissism is, can can leak into it. It's just a, a depending on how much is it. Is it a healthy amount? Is it an unhealthy amount? And then, you know, you, we, you get to determine that throughout the course of the, yeah. of, of the thing. But um, I always found that interesting because to me, from a completely personal standpoint, I, fe- <clears throat> I felt she was very performative and is very performative in all that she does. But I feel like you, you kind of, there has to be a genuine in there somewhere you can't just be 100% performative for something you don't care about because it would fall apart in a second so I do I do agree with you that there is a there's an inherent kind of honesty to everything she does but I do believe that there's a an incredible amount of performing that happens and people that enjoy that division because that brings attention and so I feel like that performance for, for me, that performance is part of the insecurity. Like when sure, she's yeah. in a performative I mean, that, yeah. state, it's how she pulls herself in to believe what she's saying because mm-hmm. the insecurity is so strong in that and yeah. perhaps in that avenue. I, I mean, it, it must be so interesting as as a filmmaker to watch people have completely different opinions on something. Right. Yeah, You're right. like, what did you get from that? That's yeah. interesting. Um, well, job well done. <laughs> yeah, I mean. You know. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, yeah, this is the first time I've I've done something that I think has been this accessible that mm. this many people have seen. It's been incredible, and also, also it's just like it's so it, like incredible to to spend so much time on something and then to to not only see people react but have people reach out to you and share their very personal stories mm-hmm. um, and how it's changed their lives or and how it's impacted them. You know, and and one thing that's really interesting is a lot of people that have kind of been around Teal and been in her world. Um, who didn't feel safe speaking up about their experiences are now talking about it right. publicly mm-hmm. and sharing their stories, um, which I think is 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 good. I think it's important that we share our stories. That's that's how we survive. Yeah, absolutely. So, is this is documentary work? Is this your favorite work? Do you want to do narrative stuff or? <laughs> It's a good question because it's um, it's very it's it's such oh a God, different so, world. Like people and always you're already say, like our your stuff is already so, um, it's it's it already comes off in a very narrative fashion, yeah. you know, and it's so cinematic, you, you yeah, know, yeah. yeah. So it, I mean, it's I can like, only but I don't imagine care about fake stories. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because people well, say to us all the time, like you should do a documentary. I'm like, it's a totally it's different a beast. beast. Man, it's woo. a complete. I mean, it's the same, but it's not the same. You know, so I I always wonder if. Uh, I, I find that a, a lot of people like that we walk for him and be like, yeah, right. I find <laughs> a lot of people that we talk to that do mostly documentary work are like, yeah, I have no interest in doing narrative work or vice versa, you know? Yeah. I don't, I'm not against doing, I mean, this was a thing I used to just do shorts, um, when I was in my early twenties. Um, and a thing that people would ask a lot is like, are you going to do a feature? Are you going to do something long form? And I remember at the time I was always, I always would say like, you know, I don't necessarily have like a desire to do a feature, but I, I do feel like it's really important to, to tell the story in the format that serves it best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I didn't do my first feature until there was a story where it's like, okay, this feels organically justified to be 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way with the, with the, the deep end, you know, I didn't know if it was going to be a series or a film for a long time. And it wasn't until there was kind of enough, plot enough story that we as a team kind of got together and were like, okay, this feels like it's earned um, to be a series and not just a feature. With fiction, you know, there's a lot of um, conversations happening around doing fiction stories right now. Um, and again, not in any way opposed to it, uh, but just just kind of wrapping my head around is like, you know, what story makes sense to do in the yeah. fiction format and and how, you know, like there's a lot of different types of fiction now, you know, right. it's mm-hmm. like working with non-actors, there's working with... With actors, there's there's things that are done very very cheaply and and um, and organically, and I, so I don't know. I, this is not a good answer, but I'm I'm not <laughs> opposed to <laughs> I'm not opposed to any format uh, really. But I I do feel really sensitive and like careful to letting the format like drive the choices. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing I want to do is be forcing a story into a right. format that right. it's not built for. 
Yeah, I couldn't have imagined getting all of that information and the impact if that was, uh, you know, a 90-minute film. I feel like that yeah, really no, needed, you needed to kind of sit with there's everybody. Layers, and there's yeah. so many layers. It was a giant croissant of a yeah. of a docu-series. And it's just like, I mean, like I said, I was I was bummed when I was like, that's it? There's not like 14 episodes? Come yeah. on, <laughs> like... I'm not emotionally done yet. I would yeah, like yeah. more, please. Um, I love I, I love that and I hate that, right? Because you don't want it to end. But then there's also like, you know, you watch the show that's just line. like, yeah. we've been going for too long. <laughs> like we could have wrapped Looking this at you, up. Walking Dead. Yeah, we, <laughs> we could have wrapped it's this also, up. It's very rare. Like when did you hear someone say that documentary was too short? You know, like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Usually you're hearing that. Usually it's like that was too long. You know, that was like 20 minutes longer than it needed to be. So yeah. I think we're very like sensitive to that and, and want to kind of respect the audience and keep it tight and leave people wanting more. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask before I know we're taking up uh, your time here, but I, I definitely wanted to ask uh, from the technical side how how you are able to achieve such good quality. Because I got to imagine you had to be nimble, right? You couldn't have these big, huge lights and cameras and crew everywhere and so how 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 were you able to scale down as much as you needed to but able to to preserve the production quality that you needed that you got yeah it was a very it was a very small team um at its at its largest it was four people um it was me (laughs) yeah so it was me and i shoot as well so i'd be holding a, a very small sony camera um and i have another dp i work with a lot his name is david bolin um, who's incredible. And so he would, he would be shooting with me as well. Um, and then we'd have a sound person, um, uh, who would rotate. And then we had a producer whose name was Bit Sola. Um, and so at its, at its largest, it was the four of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it, a lot of the shoot went that way. Then there were also times where it was just me and Bits. Um, so there's one camera and one audio person. She would run sound as well at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were some instances where it was just one, just me. Um, like that that scene in the kitchen where where Teal and Blake are having their kind of final tense moment, mm-hmm. that was just me with a camera running sound and and wow. doing the camera. And you know we we try to be flexible as to how many people are there based on. And again, there's no way for us to know what's going to happen. Right. And most of it is built on a feeling of like, okay, yesterday the vibe felt like this. What do we think it's going to be like tomorrow? Um, do we feel like it's okay to have four people, or should we kind of scale yeah. it down and just have one? And so we we kind of adjust accordingly. Um, but no, I'm a I'm a big fan of as little gear as possible. You know, we never used any lights. Um, what did you film on? Light. We shot this on the Sony FX6. Jesus, mm. it looked gorgeous. <laughs> like I think we're... Well, I, it's a testament, I think, as well to to our colorist. We have very I was gonna say, here. I was just about yeah. to say, like we are always talking about. Like, yeah, but that color still needs a a, a good image. You need a good image from. for sure, for sure. But you know, we we talked, we we always kind of scoff at people who are like, not I'm to, making. Not to, Take anything away from yeah like I, i'm making my first film um so we're trying to find somebody who has an ari and i'm like you've never filmed anything like don't worry about having an ari like you're gonna it's gonna eat up your budget and and does do you know how to use an ari like you have to learn how to use this this equipment and i mean that the the image was beautiful the everything that i mean your your colors did an amazing job i mean it was just stunning looking i've seen stuff that has been filmed on on cameras that cost four times as much and still didn't look that good. Um, so we're, we're always saying, you know, if you if you know how to work equipment, you can work on anything, almost anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost like, I mean, almost anything, but within reason, you can always make it work. Yeah. Um, and so that that's a, that like that's I don't want to hear any excuses from anybody. Yeah. If you can film well, on, the, like yeah. that looked stunning. That's the thing. I mean, not to go off on gear for a bit, but it's you know, it's everybody's chasing like buying an aria or red or something and and they're great but i've always for me because i a because i couldn't afford it i always took that as a challenge like can i make this camera look like a much more expensive camera and that's always and then think like if you can if you if you approach it from that perspective then when you do get a quote-unquote better camera you're 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 ahead of the game already because you already know how to like light something really well and you know where to put the camera to for this specific scene and, and whatever because that's that's i think that's a, a, a an aspect of documentary filmmaking that a lot of people don't think about and that you kind of have to have a, an inherent ability to not to think on your feet or 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 just naturally know like this t- situation is getting tense and i'm this isn't working from where i'm at so i have to get over here and you kind of have to read the room a bit and kind of understand where you're moving and where you're going um without without interrupting the scene, without 
trying to make it about a cool shot over what's actually happening. So there's a lot at play there that people don't don't really think about. It's not just standing there with a the camera all day, you know. Yeah, I mean the thing the thing I always like go back to is what are your priorities? Um, and I, I kind of go through this with with my team as well. Um, because I think it's easy to kind of get lost and, you know, now that there's so much amazing gear and the prices yeah. are dropping like crazy and, you know, you can bring in incredible lights and you can get the most bit depth and you can have the yeah. flattest image and, you, you know, all this stuff. And, and for me, like what I always talk to my team about is that the, the two things that are most important are like the relationship in the moment. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would much rather be able to be in the room for a moment that's happening and to be able to capture it authentically and have the image look like significantly worse than to be able to have the most beautiful image that's ever been seen, but to, to miss these, these yeah. real moments. Mm -hmm. And so, and that's, that's tough. Cause you know, the people that we're bringing on to these, these shoots are the best. Like these are people who are used to shooting on the best cameras and having all the lighting and having all that. So in a lot of ways, that's kind of a stripping away of that. And what I love about the people I, I have the honor of working with is they're, they're excited by that challenge. Yeah. They're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like usually they're making me put an Ari on my shoulder for 12 hours and I can just use this little camera and you don't want like, like this is so relieving. I'm free. There's like this feeling of freedom mm -hmm. in the approach. Yeah. Um, and for us, you know, it goes back to the priorities. You know, the priorities that when we're in the room with that person, like I want to be able to look into the eyes of the person I'm filming and connect with them and let them know that I'm there and that like, this is a human to human interaction. And yes, there's a piece of technology in between us, but that is not the priority. That's not what's at the forefront. Mm -hmm. That's not the focus. The focus is what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And my job is to be here with you during it. Yeah. And the camera is kind of this extra piece that's there that, you know, hopefully becomes wallpaper over time. Hopefully it's mm -hmm. forgotten about. Yeah. Well, you guys did a fantastic job. I mean, this show was really, really good. And, uh, I, I'm, do you have anything that you're, that you're going to be, are you taking a break or are you working on something else? I'm taking a bit of a break. Um, <laughs> I did, I did just also release a, a film, a documentary feature uh, called Sophia. We just premiered that at Tribeca. Nice. Um, so we're kind of getting both of these projects out in the world right now and taking a moment and stepping back and, and resting. Great. Well, we will be looking forward to seeing that, uh, when it's available and, um, we can't we can't wait to talk to you again and see what else you do. Yeah, thank you all so much. And for people listening, this is the the deep end and it's on Hulu. Um yes. Hulu yeah. is the place to watch this one if you want to check it out. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you all. Bye. Bye. So that was John Casby. It was. God, that show is so good. <laughs> I am blown away by by the gear that was used on this and and the lack of crew, I should say. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show what a compelling story can do. Um you know, because it's it, it did look nice and, and, you know, that's, you know, talent plus decent equipment and, you know, mostly talent. But, you know, good equipment helps, obviously. Um, but I think, you know, you know, there was a study done. Oh, God. About resolution <laughs> where um, they had people sit in a room and at the beginning of the, I don't know if it was a movie or, or just an episode or something the 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 resolution was really crisp mm -hmm. and then as the story progressed it got worse mm. and worse and worse and nobody even noticed it because they're yeah. engrossed in the story so yeah i was gonna um, say not to say that's at play here but i feel like when you have a good story and then you throw some good visuals on there that's I just the icing just, on the cake yeah, exactly. but like yeah a, a scene like that you know that confrontation scene um i was not paying I was not paying attention to anything that was going on behind them. Yeah. The, the whole background could have been blown out. And I would have been like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like stuff is happening right yeah. now. Oh I my mean, God. That happens too, where we see windows blown out because we're kind of like, you know, we're... your biggest critics are going to be other filmmakers. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're going to be but, the ones that point out. But a lot out. of times that's not taking me out of the, the scene. I'm just noticing it because it's like a, a thing of mine that I notice. Anything we did, over. but we did watch something recently. What was it? We watched something that the, the camera kept blinding the audience. Oh, it was that with, Bill Burr thing. Oh, yeah, with Bill Burr. It was like stand-up. And I'm like, I don't know why there's a camera behind him because you're you're blinding us yeah. with it. So, I mean, it's not to say that it you can't throw people off with that. And you right. can't lose people. You can. But it has to be really egregious, I think, when you have a good subject. Yeah. You can get away with a lot more. And I I, I, I love that he managed to do both. You know, yeah, that's, that's right. not an easy feat. A lot well, of times it's, it's like, like you have one to, or the other. You're, you're, it's everything is, you know, to his point, everything is, um, 
uh, tied to the story, right? Everything is dictated by the story. Um, but at the same time, there is a part of you that wants to, you know, part of part of any moment in telling a story is where you put the camera, right? It, it's not like it doesn't matter where the camera is, you know, it does. You have to see no, the subject's face when they're talking sort of thing. story if you're focusing right. on the wrong person. Right, exactly. And so I feel like you kind of have to have like the intuitive intuitiveness to kind of be able to know like to, to have that be second nature so that you can focus on the story like you know that this moment is going to be better told over here but you already like that's just kind of an in you know ingrained in you to do that and then you let the story there's kind of a talent that. we i love documentaries but i've seen documentaries that were not very good and that were not filmed well and were not directed well um, and he has a massive talent for that. I mean, yeah. that's this is. I would love to see his narrative work if this is what his documentary work looks like. Trust me, but we'll I, to, this keep is an for eye out sure. For that other documentary, he did. yeah, for sure. Um, it's in the festival run now. I, I want to. I want to. You know, I just want to uh, acknowledge that because that's it's not easy to do that. It's there's so many documentaries out there, but um, I, this kid's really got something going yeah. there. I think it's gonna go somewhere. <laughs> I think you're going places. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, It'll be on on the poster. I think this kid's going somewhere. <laughs> Go grill film. Because we are so so important yeah. and cool. Um, but yeah, no, it was it was really awesome talking to him. I didn't think he was going to be on the show. I was like, he's probably way too busy with other stuff. Yeah. I want to be on your show. Uh, but um, shout outs. Mograph. Mograph. And uh, I don't know what we got going on next week. We have another uh, another person that we're going to be interviewing, uh, an independent filmmaker that was actually had a film in the uh, Peekskill Film Festival that we went yes. to. So uh, that'll be exciting to talk to him. And uh, if you have a film or show or anything that you want to throw our way, do it. Do so, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye.